So guys, thank you so much for your time today. My name is Barrett and this is Dory. We both present the show called That 80 Show um, on Cliff Central in South Africa. And um, first of all, thank you and welcome to the show. How are you and how have you been doing during lockdown? We're good. Thanks for having us. We've been, um, we've been busy. We recorded a new album, which is um, difficult. It took, I don't know how long you've been locked down over there. It's been about 18 months for us. So it took about eight months until we were able to, Pete, Pete lives in Ireland and I live in England, so I had to fly over. So I just can imagine there was the um, having to be isolated and all this sort of stuff and do that. So we had to, we we worked it all worked it all out, didn't we? Yeah, and yeah. then and worked really hard. We got an album made somehow. <laughs> That's amazing. That's brilliant. So we're going to take it all the way back to the very beginning. How did you guys originally form? Well, it, it's interesting because I've, I've been in bands my whole life off and on. And um, in this particular time in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, I was going out to a couple of nightclubs in, in London at the very early uh, the early house music scene. And I was kind of going around various places, trying places out. And I heard about this nightclub uh, called The Brain Hot Club, which is run by um, Adrian. Oh, oh yeah. Sean yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and uh, there was an artist there. There, maybe some of your listeners. I just interject. Yeah. Sean McCluskey used to be in Joe Boxers. He was a drummer for Joe Boxers, the band from the eighties. Yeah. Okay. Just, cool. Just, yeah. 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 And he, they were running this nightclub. But what was interesting about it was it had a reputation for uh, being full of like <laughs> uh, artists and poets and musicians and DJs and all kind of uh, wannabe, you know, lovies that kind. And uh, I was just really into the uh, the idea of meeting, pe- you know, interesting creative people. So I ended up at this nightclub, and I, Alan was a, a resident there on some of the nights I went down. So. Um, um, I tried not to be a fanboy, but it didn't work. Uh, we, we got introduced, and um, I told him, "Listen, I'm, I'm a songwriter. I've got these uh, ideas. Do you want to come and check them out?" And he, I think he did it as a favor to a friend to come over and check it out, see if he could help me. But uh, on on the mixing board was a song called "You're the Best Thing," and uh, he told, the first thing he said to me was, "Let make that kick drum last for 32 bars." And I was like, "Well, who the heck's going to listen to a you know a kick drum for 32 bars?" He said, "Well, it's not for you. It's for other DJs to lock on." So once I kind of we got this, this was the, the sort of the real ping you know the real uh, light bulb moment and we just took it from there we really gelled we got on well and we started making good records well but what we thought were good records we, <laughs> we got through a lot of trial and error to get to get them sounding right because it's a it's a hell of a job to as, as some producers will know making um uh making house music because you got to get 60 percent of the record is, is a kick drum you know yeah so we had to figure out how to get all those sonics right so that a long time ago now it was like 1991 seems like a, a lifetime ago well, it nearly <laughs> is nearly 30 years <laughs> And then from that point, how did things develop? Tell us the story of D. D- Reed. Well, it was, we were we were lucky, really lucky. There's quite a vibrant scene going on at the time, like in the club scene. And we came out of it and maybe we were quite an acceptable side of it, I'd say. Mm. As it has happened, we were much more acceptable songs, you know, and just much, just a bit more commercial sounding. It wasn't commercial, but just it was, wasn't was Acid House. Mm-hmm. And it was a vibrant scene. And, a lot, and maybe we, we were right in the thick of it. So it was quite quick, really, wasn't it? I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, it took a while, but yeah. before things were num- number one, we'd had number one in the UK in 94. But prior to that, I think about 92, we put the first record out. It was 92, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And we put them out ourselves. And quickly, like Pete Tong made the essential tune of the week twice, which yeah. has never been heard, he'd never done before. Yeah. One was a Sasha mix, one was our mix, and one was a Sasha mix. So it just, and then he made it the essential tune of the year. Yeah. We were signed to a sort of independent label, put ourselves, then signed to an independent label, just touched the charts, we, but then we, Warner Brothers yeah. signed us. Yeah, we, and then the gosh, whole, we were big in America, weren't we, on the gay scene? Yeah, we listen, a, a lot of people loved us because we were part of that whole scene, that sea, 
sea swell of uh, the positivity that was coming out of early house music, and uh, we got caught up in that that wave. And you know, yeah, that, that we got lucky because we we got to we got to surf that wave. Well, and within within a year, <laughs> we were on top of the pops. I mean, within yeah. which is the yeah. UK, the big UK show. Yeah, I don't know if you know over there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we we had um, four singles, four top forty singles, mm. like just like that. Yeah, it was mad. And then then there was thing we're getting called from the record label to get you know going to a big band. So then and I went off and did my own thing for a while basically and Pete went on and took her on to pop star took to mega pop star went to take that and just lived the life for a few years didn't yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that was, uh, that was quite something it, it culminating uh, towards the end of the kind of first tranche if you like uh, of our career uh, in helping uh, the Labour Party here in the UK get elected um, which in hindsight uh, I'll just say that music and politics don't mix and, <laughs> but uh, I, I would suggest humbly having done gigs in front of these politicians that I don't I think it'd be different in, in, in South <laughs> Africa but in England anyway none of them can dance uh, so, so if we could get them to prove they've got a sense of rhythm maybe we should give them the job then yep. huh? <laughs> so they have a dance off they can't dance here either believe me <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's how you can tell what they are that's that's what we've got to do yeah no sense of rhythm no, no. bad timing yeah you're a politician clearly that's the next door down the corridor there son <laughs> so tell me um which other djs did you collaborate with in the 90s and how did those collaborations come about and are you still connected with those people? well it was, it was more about remixes yeah. we, we obviously did the music we had i mean we were really lucky i, I mean our first you're the best thing, Sasha, who was like, it's also a massive global yeah. star now. He was well known in the north of England, but he wasn't that well known then down south. Mm. So it's quite a big thing for him. It was a manager at the time, somehow knew him. Yeah. So it's quite a big thing. Sasha did that mix. It really broke him big time. Although he was a big DJ, but he broke him big time and it helped us as well. Yeah. So it kind of worked for us that one. Mm. And then we had people like Danny Rampin, who did the second thing. He was a friend of mine. I used to play for him at one of his clubs. He Dave did Morales. Like, Dave Morales did Underworld. remix. Was left Field. Yeah, that's right. Left, left yeah. Field. Yeah. I mean, we, we were quite fought. Again, left through were friends of mine. Bro- brothers so, in Rhythm? So it was quite... Brothers and then you got Brothers in yeah, Rhythm yeah, later yeah. on. We, I mean, we've had them all, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think nowadays we couldn't really afford those sort of remixes to do us because they, they, weren't, they weren't cheap. Yeah, yeah. Put it that way. No, even, even the friend, even Leftfield, well, Paul Daly was a good friend of mine. Yeah. And it was the only remix he did. They were making their album. It was the only remix he did. It was Unforgiven he did. And he took some time out of doing the album to do it for us. And he, he oh, told me, he was like, I'll do this for you, Al, because I really like the song. Mm. But we still got charged a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, for it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a great record, though. It is and a great it was record. very enjoyable. I mean, insofar as I, and people I've worked with, it, people like Chicane, I suppose, that, yeah. from that that scene. So yeah, we you know we've been around a long time and we've done a lot of stuff. Oh, that's amazing. We've not been, um, you know, like those mega bands that just keep knocking out the albums once a year and that kind of thing. Yeah. We've gone off and had families, and you know, we've moved countries and what have you. And and in between that, we, we kind of I think when we come together, it's not there's no pressure to do it now. We we do it for the love yep. and uh, we're not under any sort of mega schedules if you know what I mean yep. but, so that this this new album was basically you know started in 2015 and it takes us a long time to, to go through all the processes involved in, in finishing the songs and making the record and in fact this this particular album is our first time we've, we've performed engineered and mixed and the, and we're even doing the label ourselves we're just getting and the videos and, videos. <laughs> and I mean we like Final Cut Pro in lockdown so it's been brilliant in a lot of ways for, and I've heard this is consistent with a lot of recording artists yeah. because they couldn't perform live they've, they've gone and, and they've gone in and got creative writing and, and recording yeah. so uh, do, in, in that regard I don't think we're any different at all it's just that our stuff is just way better than anyone else <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that one no no it's, 
I'm fed up. No, I didn't say that. Not, I'm gonna, we're going to blow our own trumpets now. Because no one else is going to blow it for it, us. Okay? Exactly. I mean, you have to blow your trumpets and pat yourselves on the back. You don't. Who else will? That's it. Do you know, I, I, I might have to do a bit more yoga to, to reach these days. <laughs> but uh, just about, just about making it. <laughs> so what inspired you to create music again in 2015? What was the inspiration? How did that come about? I kind of, I got free of a divorce in 2010 and I went into a very dark place. You know, life, as we all know, people is a series of ups and downs and it's how you how you ride them, how you, you know, you come through them. And I was out in uh, India and I met my current partner out there and uh, we were in Goa and things just sort of changed for me. The interesting thing about music, when, when you're in a bad place, you don't want to create. I mean, music, you play music for a reason. Children play because they're in a childlike state. And if you're, if everything's too heavy, you're not going to produce good music. You're just going through the numbers. Yeah. So when I got to that place again where I was in, you know, I, I, I was full of the joys of spring. Alan was just there, you know, help help me through uh, in a lot of ways. We did some gigs and um, we, I just started playing him some ideas and, and we just took it from there. I think we were working on Meet Me at Midnight, the first single, and God, it took forever. And I, I, I fall out of love with this song because it just took so long doing it um, because it's not a conventional record. Yet again, it's it's got two different keys within it and it modulates between them, verse and chorus, and getting it to, to sit right was, was really, you know, it was a lot of work. Uh, really enjoyable, but I just thought we're going on and on with this thing for ages. And, and then the, the rest of the album seemed to just bloom within mm. like the last two years. So, and then with, with lockdown, we were able to fine tune it. Yeah, but you, right. you could come over from, from England and stay in my bubble. And we, we did all the, the restrictions. We follow all the guidance and what have you. Yeah. Um, and, and, then we, and because where we are, we're so remote, there's no real people around here. We're just us two in the studio and my partner upstairs. So it's like, it was really, really focused. And uh, and we were able to send stuff for any collaborations like TJ, our backing singer, and Will, Will Tarnell, done percussion. Yeah. We're able to send the stuff, which is a new whole new concept, really. Yeah. Rather than getting him in the studio, we'd just send it and let them record it and send it back to us. So it was all yeah. Yeah, it was quite a weird our, process. But it was, it's our, interestingly, our percussion player, Will Parnell, and a big shout out to him. His father was a man called Jack Parnell that some of your listeners may remember. He was the he was the leader of the BBC Swing Orchestra in the fifties and sixties. Oh wow! So um, I would I spent some quite time. Famous, yeah. I spent some time in France on holiday with Will a few years back, and uh, we were sitting with Neil Conti, you know, the drummer from uh, Prefab Sprout. Ah, yes. That's his best mate and, and his flatmate, right? Yeah. And uh, Neil turned around to Will and says, "He says not only are you the better drummer than me, but you're the best percussion player I've ever worked with." And Will went slightly red in the face. But to be honest, you know, we work with you know yeah. with computers, right? And computers are very exacting. They they lock on to a grid, and it, it, it's just 100 percent perfect. And when Will said through his percussion work, it was so damn but We didn't have to tweak it or anything. The feel he had, I was going like, I didn't know a human being could play like that. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's the kind of joys, the little things we discovered along the way. And it's peppered across all of the records, including the new record, I Used to Believe in Love. You can really hear his, his feel all over right. the album. Yeah, it's really good, really good. So um, tell us more about this new album. Tell us about the music, the songs. Um, Alan's quite hard on me. I mean, I, I, keep, <laughs> I keep coming to him and I, I play him loads of songs and he's like, mm, and he's going, I won't use the word, but it, uh, I think French is the word is nerd, okay? <laughs> he does write an awful, an awful <laughs> lot of songs and they can't all be brilliant. They can't all be brilliant. But if we see something that he feels in it, we end up working on it and, and, and uh, his English is impeccable. So did you ever agree in English? I just, I'm just very well read. Oh, he's very well read. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it just like, tends to sort of, we end up really collaborating and, and some of them we actually wrote just <laughs> off the cuff. We did, we were sitting um, one night, one night we took off during uh, one, uh, one of our sessions. We were sitting down and, and we were supposed to have the evening off but he said something to me in front of the TV and he went, we've really just got, look at all this stuff that's going on in the world. We've got to make love cool again. And 
And I was going, that's brilliant, right? So I just dragged him straight down to the studio <laughs> and we started jamming out this idea. And we, within four days, we went from just the germ of the idea to a finished record. And I think for us, that's a record. It is a, it yeah. is a record for us. Because I'm, I'm talking performed vocals, mix, balance, the whole lot. And everyone loves it. Oh, which is another thing. Yeah, the feedback yeah. on that track is amazing. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah, but then we could spend three years on a tune. I know, like, then we spent <laughs> three years on Meet Me at Midnight. It's like, so, you know, we just got to get our, you know, hopefully we'll get better at but it. But <laughs> I think we've gone back to our early sound in a way, kind of. Pianos. We've gone, the la- we did an album about 10 years ago and we really yeah. got more musical with it. And I think we kind of learned from that and yeah. we've gone more short, like three, four minute songs, pianos, strings, yeah. the melodies, harmonies yeah. and all that sort of stuff. We really dipped into like the yeah. Beach Boys sounds and yeah. you know, just, just I went, I went to see. I went to see a couple of uh, films uh, a few years back before Corona and uh, I went to see um, Bohemian Rhapsody oh, yes. and Rocket Man yeah. and also my partner took me to uh, Steely Dan. I went to see Steely Dan born here. Uh, uh, we were just outside, uh, I think, Birmingham and uh, what's including, you know, what connects all these bands is they have massive, beautiful, stacked harmonies and I got, I fell in love with harmony again and when we came to do the album I was like, I'm going to try out all these <laughs> ideas and it, it was exhausting for Alan because I was like just singing all these different levels and so we had a load of work but it's, it's come out really, really well. We get TJ to do Alan's now discovered his voice. Now he's, no, you, you've discovered I've discovered. Voice. He didn't have the confidence, <laughs> but he's got a proper bass voice, which we, we didn't know until he got on the mic, but he's doing all this kind of like bony M style lows. So we're having, we're having fun with it. And uh, in fact, one of the songs we've actually done as a duet because, yeah. you know, again, he's getting his confidence up and uh, looking forward to that. It's called um, uh, Emperor's, Emperor, of Emperor's of the Night. Yes. Dreading playing it in front of thousands of people. I, but... I'm going to insist that he comes up down <laughs> to the front of the stage from the DJ booth, which he hides behind yes. <laughs> and he's going to get a microphone and he's going to have to put his hands in the air at the relevant moments and uh, we're going to have fun with that one Sounds, it sounds like amazing. I'm looking forward to hearing it, actually. Um, tell me, have you guys ever been to South Africa? What is your perception or experience of the country? I, I've been I've been to uh, Cape Town um, once. I spent I didn't spend long enough. I think I was there for two or three weeks, and I had a great time. Um, Burstenbosch, is that yes, a place? And, that's uh, correct, yeah. Uh, Bromfontein. I, had a, uh, I can't remember now, but I, I bumped into a couple of... Um, it's, this is just a strange one, right? But there was a couple of local uh, ladies. Now, they were much older than me. And I was in the hotel, and they were like, they needed help of the garden and you know how hot I know how hot it gets there but um, uh, they put me in some shade and I went over and I did about two or three hours gar- the gardening for it and I swear to God I did I did, I did. and no, just because I, I, I don't know why I, I took pity on them you know when you say something you're having a drink in a hotel anyway they seemed like they were you know really genuine so I went to the house and then they took me on a, a car trip around the coast I have to say it is the most stunning country it really is breathtaking as you know and uh, you know I, I would love to get back down there I really really would it's just that it's all these restrictions everywhere <laughs> <laughs> now it's sort of things to put pay to but my time there was, was fantastic and uh, pe- the people were great everywhere you went people were well when you get back down here you must let us know and then we'll definitely catch up and meet <laughs> absolutely I'd be loving to go over there that's, it would be great yeah. I mean I think I think I had a bad rep didn't it years ago we all know why but yeah. I think yeah. I, mean, we, we, I, don't know, I, sh- yeah. I think it's getting better I, I th- I'm yeah. assuming it's getting better you, you know more than us yeah. Yeah. No, you're always everywhere's got problems yeah. haven't they we, we have in the UK you know it's yeah. just uh, you know the world's a funny yeah, place but, but, I, you know I I grew up in, in Northern Ireland. I grew up in Solgary. I'm not far from there now. And we, we had what they called the Troubles. You know, there was nearly 4,000 people killed uh, just in this area alone uh, in, in, in those four decades. Yeah. And eventually they've settled, they've come to an understanding. Now, I think the Brexit thing's been a bit of a <laughs> spanner in the works. But, you know, again, uh, it, it is what it is. People have, and eventually we have to agree. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the other option is perpetual conflict. It yeah. is not good. So, but no, I, I loved it down there. I thought it was really special. And uh, I loved on the beaches the way you've got those little flags if the dogs go to the toilet. I mean, that's hilarious. 
So first of all, it warns you not to go there, right? Yeah. But then it's got work for someone, you know, to go and pick them up. And then uh, well, my my partner keeps trying to get me. Well, she's been trying to get me to go over a safari in South Africa. Yeah. For, for well, pre COVID, she's been going on about it for some yeah. time. But so no doubt she's going to. Um, she, I'm going to have. To, she's going to beat mm. me down until I just say yes. So. I want to do that hotel that's got the um, the giraffes that come in there on breakfast. Ah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Well, you have been performed around the world. What is it like to see the world evolve and change over time? Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, it, look, it's you really don't get to see the world as you would, say, if you were a professional traveler. Yeah. Because one hotel room and one studio looks the same pretty much, uh, you know, in every country, you know, television studio. But what, what is different is the audiences when, when we performed live. And um, do you know what? I mean, I haven't, everywhere we've been, because people come down to see us, and because we're kind of a good time band, we haven't had a bad gig yet. People just go, for it yeah. uh, the only thing that changes some places like I mean I'm Germany and Australia like the, the audience was a little younger but they brought their parents along uh, and some places like uh, we've gone in the States we had we had all all age groups uh, all, all sorts I mean persuasions everyone all the clubbers it was wonderful yeah and the world I mean the world world is changing obviously yeah. massively yeah. but it's uh, hopefully I would like to think it's changed for the better yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think I've sometimes I questioned it recently I have to say mm-hmm. but you know, we, we're, we're a very positive band in general and I'd like to think I like to think positively about everything yeah. so I, I like to see the best in everyone so yeah. I think the world is yeah. changing there's some places you know well you but, know I, look, look, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s now and it's really hard to write positive songs when you should really be grumpy and, <laughs> and screaming at the television right but the all. fact is I, I never go to a gig because I want to be preached at yeah. I don't want to feel like coming away feeling uh, I've done something heavier than real life because real life's pretty heavy right Yeah. so when it comes to us performing and, and entertaining people I think that's our first responsibility so that we just just want to get the fun going we want to see people dancing and we want them to go away with you know hope yeah. in their hearts just and it's and open stuff. to everyone as well yeah. Yeah, open open to everyone. Everyone. and music is that one thing that brings everyone together and brings that joy vibrancy and energy yeah. and dance as you say yeah yes exactly I mean it's yeah. the one thing in life music yeah. art it's yeah. Food, for everyone yeah. that's the good parts of cultures I mean instead of sending troops in you should send like uh, maybe catering vans and some party disco stuff yeah. and just see if you can get the fun going exactly. on first before you use <laughs> missiles I mean Absolutely. we've tried everything else Right? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Our, our show is all about the 80s, but I know you guys were started yeah. early 90s. We, we started in 91, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what music were you guys listening to in the 80s and 90s? Ooh. Oh, that's a great question. Well, Pete, Pete and I, it's funny we were talking about this before, because yeah. I come from quite a soul funk background, but there's yeah. still in that new wave sort the of new sound. new wave overlap, yeah. So we've got quite a lot, but we both so, love Prince. Yeah, yeah. Simple Minds, Eurythmics, U2, Prefab Police, Prefab Sprout. I mean, all, all that Human what? League. Kevin Seventeen, all that sort of stuff. Absolutely, Duran Duran. I love that. Yeah. For me, I mean, just yeah. we love music. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. And my record collection, yeah. and CD he's, collection, is something he's else. He's got a he's got a jealous making record collection. I can tell you, I've it's, kept collecting since yeah. then. So it's just I, just everything. I mean, I this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, God, I, I even just things like even things like ABBA, the old ABBA song. Is yeah. I like you know I'm not a big ABBA fan, but I like some yeah. of it. You know, do, do you know I heard um I heard Wham uh, Club Tropicana oh, the other day. I, I love Wham, and and I was like at the time I was like you know. I was really sniffy yeah. about it, yeah. And then I heard it on the TV, you know, and my heart jumped and I went, oh, it's Club Trouble Cat. Because he's got that, it just, you know, puts it. a bloody smile on your face. I've always loved George and, Michael. Yeah, just... yeah. And they looked like they were having a whale of a time. And I thought, I want to be there. I so exactly. want to be there, you know. It really did. It's like the 70s. I look, I have to feel, I feel a bit left behind now. I, my girls, my I, they're adults now. I mean, they're 19 and 17. And they were over with me um, a, a little while ago. And I challenged them. I said, what, well, so what's actually, what are you listening to? What are you listening to? They're into um, Billie Eilish and, um, and that kind of thing and I said but what's number 
one in the chart. Yeah. And they went, what? <laughs> no idea. I, I, I yeah. kind of miss that side of things because I think music is yeah. to kind of bring us all together. And you know, your parents kind of complaining about the younger generation. But the thing about <laughs> streaming now is that well, like you've just done. You just uh, complaining yeah. about the younger generation. Yeah, just I am. Like that. I'm complaining just about, like that. No, yeah. because they, I don't. I just, it hasn't brought us together. It's kind of yes. ter- uh, put us apart, you know, in a way. And but yeah, they play me some stuff, and I think it's all right, you know. But God, uh, the stuff that bands back then. I mean, I'm just thinking as well. Brilliant. I was right into the specials and madness. And yeah. The beat and all that stuff as well. I liked everything. Yeah. Just so you know that we love all that music on that 80s show and we've actually got a Wham corner that we play every single week because Gary Pal and I are Wham fanatics. So just putting that out there. Yes. Have, have you, did you see, can I just, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but did you see when George was caught, uh, he was smoking uh, in, in Hampstead, he was smoking, uh, you know what, and he was in his uh, big Range Rover. He, he lost control of it and it, it drove and crashed into the side of a hairdresser. Did you see what they wrote? The next morning, when they removed the, 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 the Range Rover he'd left yeah. a big dent in the wall and some fan had come up and written wham right over the hole it was just brilliant that's always yeah, stayed yeah. with me you know you mentioned about um, the music now how it's produced and consumed what, uh, extending on that comment how do you think you know with uh, what are your thoughts on digital streaming platforms and how this has changed production and how music is released what are your thoughts around well, well, well. We're, we're not streaming any of our stream. new music. We've stopped it. And we, we're trying to urge other bands to, because there's no reason why you, you can't just stream off your own website now or off an aggregator like Bandcamp who, yes. who, who pay artists properly. But we, we found them. Alan, Alan has a, his own record label with a, an acid house thing that he does I call Retro Forward. He's got his own band, Field of Dream. He showed me his royalty statement. He got nearly a quarter of a million streams and they sent him a check for £13. It's ridiculous either running, way. But <laughs> it, it's just frightening I now believe it. i know that my band Dureen, if we get a million streams yeah. i get four thousand dollars right so you can work out the math what we figured out is they're they've got an algorithm which pays young bands you know unknowns a, a tiny fraction and then it goes up, up all the way to ed sheeran and and and, and yeah. you know julie julie and all that you're you're taking more of that that pie if you like whereas you know in radio one territory if you get a, a play on radio one it's the same for an unknown as it is for yeah. um you know a famous person which is much more fair but the, here's the one here's the clincher I was told by my manager that nearly half the content on Spotify is bogus so to start with they've they've cut the, the half in half what they pay to the labels and then the labels take that as 100% that they're given after Spotify's cut you wouldn't believe what, what the percentages that Barlas get so the, the, the perfect storm for us was coronavirus killing all the gigs right <laughs> should be laughing about it no no it's, 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 it's crazy what's happened plus then streaming becoming really popular yeah. but we don't get paid anything from streaming so we've been strangled completely uh you know uh, it's just it's not it's unreal and there is a fight back in the uk but you know as always the the, the, the artists and the, the the small organizations like mcps and prs they've got a tiny voice against these conglomerates and they haven't get the clout to take them off it's like anything it's like people power if we can get enough artists to just kind of turn their backs on it and start communicating directly to their fan bases it will, will bring about the paradigm shift i believe it's needed and it's different i mean there's, there's still sales physical sales CDs we've been surprised actually with this album just how many we're selling our age our fan base uh, are showing their age but they're they're ordering vinyl from us and CDs because that's they still have the technology and yep. they're really enjoying the physical exactly. holding of the album in their hands as it were you I know I, I still buy CDs I love the aesthetic of holding it opening that booklet seeing the yeah. pictures seeing the song words we should send you a digital yes. pack so you can enjoy we'll it send, we'll send the one of us we'll send you one of ours oh, I'd love that so I'd, you can enjoy I'd it I'd love that absolutely love that no we'll do that thank you 
I appreciate that. Now, uh, last question: What what is next for you guys? What's what's next in the pipeline? What's happening? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, well, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to go home. That's that's that's, that's what's happening next. We're, we're just putting out the new single. Uh, um, I used to believe a lot well, is coming not out till September. Though, not so September. Got many hands at the moment. Many hands out at the minute, and the um, album comes out Friday. this Friday. So we're sort of focusing on trying to build up our social media presence on that. We have some uh, festival dates lined up, but here in the UK, and uh, we've got to keep our eye on things because uh, the biggest thing at the minute is obviously traveling between countries and whatever restrictions uh, and conflict of restrictions apply but we're you know we're really open for business we're, we're hoping to get more gigs in the future but I couldn't look into the crystal ball because every no. time I do someone smashes it <laughs> they take it and they just throw it on the ground <laughs> and all my predictions are gone into <laughs> tiny little pieces we have had so many gigs cancelled and moved there's one thing I can't remember speaking, but it keeps moving the date the date keeps moving every yeah. week it's just yeah. the thing yeah. is we're trying to do our diary yeah. and, they, and they're changing yeah. it all the time yeah. to suit all these rules uh, and in the end I've, I've just thrown my hands in there and said you know what just, yeah, look, just whatever yeah. tell me the day before yeah. and I'll, I'll be there <laughs> and I, oh, yeah exactly so we think next year we will yeah. get gigging properly yeah. next year hopefully yeah. we'll be working on new music because Pete never stops writing nope. I, I'm, I'm quite good I can, yeah. I can well I say good I'm probably bad in your eyes <laughs> but I can sort of lay off it and just yeah. get I don't want do to I do need to be getting some music done even for more and stuff as yeah, well and, true, yeah. and remixes and things need done and just and I've just been leaving it because I've just thought oh. yeah. <laughs> I, want, I, I want to enjoy promoting this I album I, I want to enjoy promoting this album yeah. I don't get bored but I just I've got so much yeah, to do yeah. and sometimes I just look at it and think oh, uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah. I, like, so I, I like for I come and go to Ireland and just yeah. <laughs> doing you, you videos come and, stay you come and stay with you yeah, yeah. 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 I'll send Ruth to mine you can stay with Rachel you can just stay here get rid of the partner sometimes you just need that break you know that stepping away and then you come back with new fresh eyes to create something magnificent out of that space completely agree yeah yeah absolutely last question before we log off if you had to go back in time and give yourself you your younger self a piece of advice what would it be uh, in my case uh, don't do drugs <laughs> He's, he's hung up. <laughs> oh dear. What would you do, Alan? My, mine, well, my, my, I don't know if I'd give myself that advice. My mum used to always say you should have got a proper job. She always said you should have got a proper job and yeah. not be the musician. Oh, you'd, you'd love but, this. My, my Aunt Kathleen, I, it was one Christmas, we were like number one, and I had the head of the size of a prize marrow. And I went up there, and, I, and she, she answered the door, and she says, Are you still writing your wee songs, son? <laughs> and I went, I'm still writing my wee songs. She says, That's a shame. I thought you would have made a great artist. <laughs> As in a painter, she wanted me to go into painting. Painting. So, okay. I, I would. My advice I'd give my younger self is mm. make sure you get a decent education, and I'll tell that to everyone. Make good, sure. So good, if things go lawyer. wrong, you can get yourself get, get, you get yourself, yourself a, good a good decent job. <laughs> Because it's, it's not an easy game, this, is it? No, 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 not at all. And, well, I think that one of the things you learn about is um, life's very different to what's taught at school. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd be teaching, well, I'm trying to teach my kids about how to manage money and how the legal thing works and all that stuff. Because I think that should be taught in schools, to be honest, because there's no point knowing algebra when, you know, you can't even pound up two pennies, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Nice. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a nice happy note. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your time today. I re we really appreciate appreciate your time and your energy and your everything. Thanks for having us.